Recording in progress. <clears throat> Again, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Um, I hope to be speaking to you guys today about, <coughs> about stewardship. And, um, and more specifically, um, what I want to, what I hope to be speaking about stewardship is God entrusting us to more and how exactly to, um, add quality to or expand those things to which God has entrusted us, um, because God is interested in growing in growing us. God is interested in conferring more of a responsibility to us. And there are some things that need to take place before we do that. Because if you're the if you're at still the same if you're still in the same place that you were a year ago, that's not a favorable position to be in. I'm not saying that things will necessarily change as if you're going to work a different job or you're going to work a different career or something like that. However, you sh there should be greater responsibility conferred to you there or there's some uh, potential future prospects for um, promotion or <clears throat> you're you're cultivating a greater skill in the crafts or the abilities that you possess stagnation isn't god's prerogative stagnation and remaining at a standstill isn't where god wants us to remain we go from strength to strength from faith to faith to glory to glory and the text that we will be reading on is a text that informs us that he that has been given much, that he that is faithful over little, he shall be ruler over much. And so that there is, um, God's desires is for you to be given more if in fact you have been faithful. And, and the more isn't because um, it's to give you a big head. It's because we have a big world. And God wants us to take territory for his name. Amen. So, Amen. <clears throat> with that said, I want to get into prayer. I want to invite your undivided attention. Um, let me preface with one more word. And I, I want to just remind this, remind you all, that as you join, do give your undivided attention. Um you are making an investment. I'm not a. I, I'm not here to waste anybody's time. We're not here to waste in, um, each other's time. We're here to give to set apart unto the Lord um, time to invest in our destiny to assemble together as uh, the people of God. Right. This is an investment. You may not see the immediate returns for that investment, but nevertheless you are accruing some sort of qualitative return for that which you have deposited with your time. 
and it, and it's kind of like um, it's kind of like when I went to college. Especially those who didn't get financial aid, but who paid out of their own pockets, who didn't pay attention. It didn't make very much sense why they were here unless they had, you know, cheated their entire way through. But even then, by the end of the road, when you get where you want to go, you're not able to deliver what the certificate or the degree says you're able to deliver. So you can say, I spent countless hours of Bible study. Did you? <laughs> or as, as we, we uh, yeah, yeah, anyways, I'm not going to beat a dead horse, but um, you, you guys get the point. Um, if you sow into spiritual things, you shall reap a harvest. And, and fruit doesn't come overnight. But let me tell you this. Fruit only comes to the disciplined. It doesn't come to the lazy. It doesn't come to the undivided uh, uh, mind. The Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He ought not to think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Right? So is there a divided house in your mind? that is is making room for a little bit of God, but you're not giving your entirety to it. But let me say this, and I, I don't I don't mean to go on some sort of guilt trip or anything like that, but it just is what it is. Jesus didn't give half of his himself on the cross. <clears throat> and that should elicit in our hearts a a willingness to want to Give everything to him and not to offer to him blemished sacrifices. Amen. And only only the sacrifices that were without blemish were offered and accepted by the Lord. And so um it would pr it would be a um pretty foolish thing to uh waste your own time. <clears throat> uh, I say that because I know how easy it is to potentially get distracted because we're using a device in order to to hear the word. And so I, I understand the potential temptations, you get notifications <coughs> and stuff like that. Um, because if, I, if, I, if I'm honest, if I was in person, I'd probably be doing a whole lot of rebuking. <laughs> um, I've, I've done it before. I remember one time when I got invited to preach at this church, um, I was, I'd probably use a whole lot more wisdom than I would have back then, but, um, there was this young kid, he was dancing, um, I don't know why for the life of me, I don't understand why he was dancing in the background when I was preaching, and like he was in the back of the church like busting moves and stuff like that, and, um, I could have used a whole lot more discretion, I was just, you know... I was only 19 at the time. And I said, I said, you little kid, or I said, young kid or something like that. I said, stop being a fool in the house of God. Stop it. And <laughs> I don't know who his parents were, but I'm sure they were angry with me. Hopefully my message that day was uh, letting, a, letting go of, of offense. Because <laughs> I'm sure they were upset. Um, but... Nevertheless, let's uh, 
and after <laughs> after the after the sermon there was this older lady she gave me a printout of how to identify a fire stone a fire and brimstone preacher <laughs> I was like, that's a bit passive aggressive. I want you to say straight up, why are you why are you handing this to me? <laughs> it was what I said earlier, huh? Um But yeah, I, I would have done it differently yet. but I mean the point though is this um God's things are holy and we are to we are to walk uprightly and holy and to have a sober heart when handling holy things. <clears throat> but let let's pray. Father, we um we come to your throne of grace boldly that we may obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Father, I pray right now at this moment that you would give us grace, Lord, to endure the word. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would give us grace to hear the word. I pray that you would give us grace to be doers of the word. I pray that you would eliminate all distractions, that you would um, reduce, that you would subdue the devil's tactics to subvert our minds, to, to eliminate any form of heart obedience, Lord, to your word. I pray that you would enlighten, that you would illumine our understanding. I pray that you would grant us clarity. I pray, Lord, that <clears throat> as your people have come to sow into their destinies, that they will see a return for the investment that they make. Lord God, I ask in Jesus' name that the word preached, Lord, would be clear, that you would give me the ability to communicate, Lord, with clarity, with simplicity with power and potency in your anointing, God, that we would um, take the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. I pray that you would make us fruitful. I pray that you would make us um, long-suffering. I pray, Lord, that you would give us dexterity and skill to make application to the things that we've learned. I pray for mental retention, that you help us to retain um, everything that we learned today and make um, a, a notable application, God. Father, I pray that this would be highly practical, but nevertheless, it would be pure and, 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 and it would penetrate it would admonish, it would upbuild, it would encourage, it would educate and instruct. So Father, I ask for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. God, help us to grow as believers, help us to grow as saints, help us to grow as ministers, help us to grow as, as intercessors, help us to grow in all facets of our lives, Lord. As multi-dimensional servants, Lord, help us to grow qualitatively in every facet and aspect of our lives, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, <clears throat> Amen, and Amen. amen. Um, again, I'm I'm going to be speaking to you um, on stewardship. 
uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. Let me give you a little backdrop for why I'm speaking about this. I'm speaking on this. <clears throat> um, I I pray to the Lord to give me um, to grant me favor with younger believers. Obviously, I'm open to speaking to anybody, um, whosoever is hungry. Um, it's it's the, those mouths I will feed with with God's word, right? But. The reason why I'm particularly interested, especially in helping uh, those that are single, those that are younger, um, is because in my earlier walk, um, my my mother was a crank addict. Um, she smoked dope for you know many years of her life. Um, she was out of the picture by the age of by when I was the age of five. Um, <clears throat> And my father, he was an alcoholic. He was incompetent. Um, there was nothing notable about his life. He didn't earn any degrees. He didn't have very many skills. <clears throat> um, and the little skills he did have, he didn't make an application of. And um, I lived in, well, I mean, at, by a relative to an American perspective, um, in relative poverty. Um, I was always a kid that had very little. Um, even among other kids that had very little and, uh, you know, um, and so let me just give you a little bit of detail. So like my grandparents, they're from Mexico and, and, um, and well, they came over here at an early age and well, over there, they didn't have very much, very, very little. Um, but my dad had the benefit of being an American citizen and being and having the opportunity to gain a lot, but didn't avail himself of that opportunity. Whereas my friends, their parents were directly from Mexico, and I had seen them from the bottom work themselves up, gain their own businesses, and so I, I seen a lot of them get a lot of the stuff that I didn't have, even though they were in a more disadvantaged position than myself. If that makes sense, <clears throat> and so. I being, my father being in more of an advantageous position, didn't avail himself. And so, as I got older, and obviously I lived the street life, um, in fact, that's where a lot of my anger was boiled up, for that in different reasons, and I began to sell drugs, um, and just to, well, for, to support my own addiction, but so I can basically have stuff for myself. Um, so I used to thieve and and do stuff like that because of the the position I didn't like being in. So I say all that to say that when I had become a Christian, the things of God were not invested in me in a way that I would have liked. And while in the beginning years of my life we did church, swing on the chandeliers, we had wonderful services, we had, you know, the praise, and we had the worship, and we had all that, but at the end of the day, there was still a deficiency in helping to promote, um, in the lives of younger believers, um, 
a desire and a hunger for more, to be practical, to be able to grow as as potential wives, to grow as potential husbands, to be able to grow as uh, potential bosses at their jobs. And the Word of God was not made applicable in those facets and dimensions of my life. I wasn't educated, and, and because there was a lack from a father figure and a mother, all I had to rely on was my Bible. Because because much of the, many of the messages I was hearing were not conducive to help shape me as a young man. And if that wasn't enough, there wasn't anyone close in my proximity or would communicate with me in those early years to, to kind of lace me up in life. And so being a young 17-year-old boy who then became an adult at the age of 18, I had to figure out everything myself because I wasn't shown by a father. And so that leads me to this point, and it's this. I trust that the grace of God will enable me to be a spiritual father figure to those who may have been in a disadvantaged position who were not shown how to be a man or not shown how to be a husband or because these are things I had to learn as I went and it's so much more easier to have someone to have gone before you and say you know well I don't know how it is in Europe but like hey you got to go to the courthouse get these papers if you want to get married you know well it's actually probably I don't know the different rules in different states so <laughs> but here in California there's a process right you, you, you have to go to the courthouse and you have to get the forms and you have to get it signed by the one who marries you. They have to be licensed and then bills and, you know, moving into your home and stuff like that. These are practical things that God is not ignorant of and the Bible is not silent on. Do you understand that? Years ago, I would have thought, man, you are betraying the messages for revival. You're betraying messages on on you know um more of these overt spiritual things like casting out demons and while that certainly has its place and we are not to digress on our stand on knowing that making application of that however <clears throat> what good is it if i am casting out demons but i but i'm getting cast out my house the the following day and getting evicted because i'm not a good good steward do you get what i'm saying or, or I'm not. I'm not speaking to anybody. You're not interested in that. You might not think that you have a need to hear th- this just now, but there will come a time when you, there is a necessity for you to. Uh, uh, life will necessitate that you learn to be a good steward. Amen. Amen. <coughs> I'll wait. Amen. Amen, somebody. I know we know English. I don't know what you'd be doing here if you didn't. I know you I know you some of us have different English levels, but I know we all know what Amen means. <laughs> woe woe unto us. Woe unto us if we if we don't if we don't learn to grow as believers. Okay, so that's the backdrop for why I want to speak to you about this. 
Okay, so do take mental notes. Um, it's a tragic thing. If, if you go to church and you swing on chandeliers and you lift up a triumphant voice, but you're so unskilled as an individual that you wouldn't make for a good wife or a good husband. Amen. Or that you wouldn't make for a good father. You wouldn't make for a good mother. Not, I'm not discounting your sincerity and your, your, your big heart. But there comes a time where life necessitates more than compassion. It needs skill. It needs privy, insightful, skillful wisdom to live this life. Amen. Okay? So, <clears throat> there's a place for fiery evangelists. But there's place for the priests, the, 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 the articulate priest who can explain to you the Word of God in real time in such a way that is compelling and will help to formulate a, a, a form and fashion a holistic individual. So with that said, I want to first of all establish uh, something here. Um, well, let us read uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. <clears throat> Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey... The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Um, I think we'll stop there. Um, yeah, we'll stop there. That's fine. We don't have to read the rest. Um... Because I want us just to get a certain section of this parable to point out a number of things. First of all, um, God is the owner. Now, in any parable, there's going to be dissimilarity. Somewhere, at, in, in, because it's an analogy, the parable breaks down. Because in this case, in the parable, it's a man that is entrusting the servants. Whereas, in our case, it's God entrusting us. So we're nevertheless servants, but it's not a man that's entrusting us. It's God that entrusts us. The Bible says that from heaven comes every good and perfect gift. At the end of the day, nothing comes from man. There are things that just come through men, but all things come from God. And God entrusts us 
with relationships. God entrusts us with careers. God entrusts us with callings. God entrusts us with children. And he expects for faithful stewardship over that which he has entrusted you to. And we didn't read the rest, but as we as we could have uh, seen, if we have re- had read further, is that there are consequences for those who are not faithful stewards. They're considered uh, wicked and slothful servants. Wicked and slothful. But th- to those who um, faithfully discharge their duties are considered good and faithful. But if we read in Psalm 115, verse 16, uh, real quickly, Psalm 115, verse 16, while God remains owner, he nevertheless entrusts us. Psalm 115, verse 16, the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Let me read that again. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to mankind. Let me read one other. Genesis chapter 13, verse 17. Let me repeat that. Genesis chapter 13, verse 17. And the word of the Lord reads, Go, and he's speaking to Abraham, Go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. I'm giving this to you. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And while he may not have given you a specific allotment of land, a specific portion of land, in a figurative way, God has entrusted to each and every one of us a specific boundary line that defines your land. Whatever that is, whether that's children or whether that's jobs or whether that's money, the amount of time, these are all lands, if you will, that God has entrusted to you and he's expecting a fruit in response to that which he has given you. He wants to see the milk and honey. He wants to see the uh, thick grape clusters that come from the land of Canaan. But it will not produce that if you allow for it to, to be unattended. Hence, we must be good and faithful servants. Right? Let me, uh, read to you, um... 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 17 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 17 <clears throat> The word of the Lord reads nevertheless each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them just as God has called them This is the rule I lay, lay down in all the churches So you see that God gives specific assignments to each and every one of us. There are specific callings exclusive to you, unique to you. And God is not going to expect me to do that which he has told you to do. And God is not going to expect me uh, me to do or you to do each other's assignments. 
Okay, and so what I want to now I not only want to uh, speak about stewardship, but I want to speak about how we might avail ourselves so that we can excel in the things which we have been how we have been entrusted as stewards over. Because it's one thing for you to satisfy the bare minimum. However, there are certain persons uh, that there is one individual in Matthew chapter 25 who after the end of his uh, stewardship, he was given more than the rest. Because it says that he that has much to him will be given more. But they that had nothing, that even what they did have will be taken away from them. So the man who had one talent and invest, it did not invest that. He just sowed it into the ground because he attributed to God being this hard taskmaster, having reaped where he had not sown. He said, you know what? Take this wicked, slothful servant and cast his portion among the unbelievers because um, at least you should have put this in the bank and been wise and expedient so that there would, been ha- there would, have, been inve- there would have been interest if you had stationed it in the bank. But you didn't even do that. In other words, you're not doing anything with what God has called you to do. Do you see that? If God has made you a minister and you're not speaking up for his name. If God has made you a singer, but you you don't do anything. You never sing. If God has given you uh, significant portions of wealth, but you never give. You know, I, I, I heard before, but this is so true. People don't mind being called a servant of God. Just don't treat them like one. <laughs> I see you smiling because it's funny and it's true. People don't mind being called a servant of God. We just don't want to be treated like one. I, I can't tell you how many people would get bent out of shape if you told them to, um, hey, you know, uh, can you help stack chairs or, you know, or whatever. Now, I get it. There's sometimes um, people with, with higher responsibilities ought not to be given to lower things. We see this even with Peter and John. We ought not to leave the ministry of the word of God in prayer in order to serve tables. And so there are some legitimate ex- uh, excusing for to give yourself to certain tasks because the high necessity or the significance of the responsibility that you're maintaining. And the higher you go up, the thinner the road becomes and the less access people have to you because there are systems that need to support your dedication to that high responsibility. Now, for example, the president, not everybody has access to him because of the necessity, that he, the, the significance of the things he must carry on. Right? But nevertheless, I want to speak to you guys. First of all, I want to identify the areas of our lives where stewardship is required and then go into some principles that will help us to excel in those particular areas. Does that make sense? 
Or am I speaking, or what is that old saying? Um, speaking French? Y'all with me? <clears throat> or are you taking a little uh, side hit of uh, Joe Olstein? Little crack hit of uh, your Facebook notifications. <clears throat> so, number one is relationships. God, God entrusts us to relationships. See, this is a big one because the fact is this. There are some people that minimize this aspect in our Christian walk. And they, they just want to be, they want to be um, um, just a lone ranger. They don't want to have to speak to anybody. They don't want to have to associate with anybody. They just want to stay to themselves. They want to stay, um, you know, um, I'm trying to think of uh, this character that was always secretive and no one really knew anything about. But my point, though, is that they, they want to stay cloaked and hidden because the more concealed that you are, the less you have to give uh, an account to. If, if I never make myself available and open myself up as a book, then I don't have to be accountable to you in this relationship. That's why people never build bridges to begin with, because they have no intention on walking over them. And for those people who are irresponsible and just, you know, build or construct these bridges, the moment people begin walking over onto that side, they destroy the bridge. They say, oh, this is scary. I don't want this. I'm going to get hurt again. Well, let me say this. If you're unwise in the in, in your relationships with other people and who you allow into your life, then obviously don't be surprised if you get bit by a snake. But if you're using prudence and discretion and wisdom and prayer and relationships have been graced to you by God and you're still insistent that... You're still afraid I'm going to suffer trauma or I'm going to get hurt. Well, here's the reality is this. You are far much more exposed as someone by yourself. Why do wolves stay in packs? Why do gang members remain in gangs? Why, why is a military not without force unless they are assembled together as an army? And there are systems and strategies, and there is order, and there is rank, there is, uh, and they're highly mobile, right? Amen. But everybody has been graced with specific relationships, and it is a betrayal of God's wise design to say, "I want otherwise. I want to do this myself." You know, demons are wise enough to associate with other demons. Do you understand how proud man is that demons are less proud than men because at least demons work with each other when men don't? 
speak Holy Spirit. Demons have enough wisdom and insight to know, okay, we have a common enemy here. And those enemies are those pesty little Christians that run around and try casting uh, demons out of people, trying to preach this gospel. Who do they think they are? Right? But demons are wise enough and insightful enough to know, hey, well, we got a common enemy. We need a link together. And those are the three people in your life, those that are against what you're against, those that are for you, and those that are for what you are for. Don't mistake any one of these three. Because sometimes those that are for what you're for will look like they're for you. But the moment you stop being for what they're for or against what they're against, then you no longer have their loyalty. And so we should prioritize these relationships in proportion to that. Is this person for me? You, you know a good way to know if someone's for you is if, or not, if you can't get them to do anything. They always have an excuse. You know, I've realized in life that there are no legitimate excuses for those that you are for. You know why? Because it's not a matter... Man, if Jesus, who was the busiest of all, made time for his disciples, who are you to say you don't have time for God's people? It's because it's a lack of priority. You don't prioritize God's people, therefore you don't make time. Simple as that. Unless you're to suggest you're busier than Jesus, who had the world on his shoulders. Amen? If people don't have time for you, it's not because uh, they're busy. It's because they haven't prioritized you. And they can say what they want. I don't believe it anymore. I used to. I don't believe it anymore. It means that they have they have things in their lives that they're prioritizing more than that relationship. You know, the funniest thing is when people say, I don't have time, but you see their little green light on Facebook. <laughs> little green light online on Instagram. Or you, I don't know if you guys remember the MySpace days where it showed the little, like... New, you know the the neuter character and the, like the the uh, what were the waves kind of were emanating from his head? Do you guys remember that on MySpace <laughs> online? Oh, <laughs> uh. <clears throat> but number one is relationships. Everybody has been graced with relationships. And number two is is your job or career. Um, if you look in Colossians chapter four, um, let's let's turn there real quick. Colossians chapter four. So you know that I'm not just speaking out of my head. 
Oh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So you can't play this whole I'm a Christian stuff. Don't they know that I am apostle so-and-so? Don't they know I'm pastor? Don't they know I'm a worship leader? See, the thing is you have now entered in a, their domain in which they're an authority in. Everybody is an authority in their respected domains. And you are to recognize whenever... See, here's the thing. In Christ, we're all equal. But in terms of our respected areas, we are not. Every, see, here's the thing. It, it is rebellion and it is a lack, it is dishonor and it is a, a pride that wants to insist that we're all equal in our respected authoritative domains. We are not. I'm sorry, but I'm not. You know why? Because this will lead to utter disorder and chaos. See, if it's the churches that have that mindset that nobody wants to go to. Because any and everybody can do whatever they want. And so as a consequence, we have chefs working as plumbers and plumbers working as chefs. And you don't get qualitative service that way. If there's a novice who comes who's just freshly saved three months and saved and, they, and they're insisting that they give the word because they had made the confession of faith and gave their heart to the Lord, it's laughable. For the same reason that you would expect to go to the, the, the prof, uh, to the dean's office and demand a position as a professor because you passed your course. There are sacrifices that people have made that necessitate the promotion that they have gained in their respected position. Do you see that? You can't demand that just because you have God's favor, but you're not willing to put in the grunt work, that somehow you're entitled to something. What entitles you is your sacrifice and your ability and your qualitative service. Amen? Amen. That's what entitles you. I remember Charles Spurgeon said this, that you cannot keep a gifted man in obscurity forever. He, his, his gift will make room before, uh, for him before kings. Amen. And if you have to plead or beg people to, 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 uh, uh, to recognize Anything that you that we claim that we can offer, it has indicated that we have not yet arrived. As Leonard Ravenhill said this, we never have to advertise a fire. I'm actually very delighted that I no longer see these videos, but they were very common some months back where they would run up to the video and say, wait, 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 let me pray for you. 
And what they were doing is they were getting you captivated psychologically so you can watch the entire duration of their video. And by that time, you're hooked. It's a lot of bait. And what it means is this, that the thing that you have to offer me has not yet captivated my attention to sustain my devotion to this video. I, I hate to use this example, but I remember back in the world when someone would light up like a really potent blunt and 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 there was only one going around the circle, everybody's eye would be on it. <laughs> like I said, I hate to use it, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Everybody's eye would be on it. They would be eyeing it, right? But I've seen people pass up stress and stuff that wasn't potent like no, I'm, I'm good that's actually going to give me a headache so again number two is are, are you with me jobs and and careers are things that god assigns to us and just because we are christian doesn't mean that we can pull the christian card You can't call Angel Gabriel to come help you. (laughs) So number one, relationships. Number two, jobs and careers. And see, here's the thing. Some of you might think, oh, this is just, you know, this is just... um, this sounds too secular. But that's that's where the devil has got us to bite into this false idea. Why? Why? Because if you're a Christian and you're living holy, nothing in life is secular. Nothing. The food you eat isn't secular. It says it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. What does it mean to be sanctified? It becomes holy holy the ground you step on becomes holy the bible even says your children are holy right in first corinthians where it talks about marriages and 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 a believing spouse with being in it with an unbelieving spouse and it says that your children are holy because you're holy so in other words, there are no secular compartments in our lives. It's all for Christ. You know, I remember I was listening to um, some sermons some time back, and I forgot who it was exactly. I believe him. I don't remember. But it was it was some guy from Europe. I believe he might have been from Switzerland. and um, And they asked him, something because he was a watchmaker and he said something along the lines of I'm going to make this sure that this watch is as precise as possible because I'm doing this in light of eternity I'm doing this for Christ the time should come when the children of mammon should begin to look at the children of light and find something utterly compelling of our lives such that we would be Daniels in the Babylonian palace, in Nebuchadnezzar's palace, that outperform 
the astrologers, the soothsayers, and the Chaldeans. Because we have a spirit of excellence. We have the, the, the God who answers by fire. We have the God who has all wisdom residing within us. Right? He dwells in an unapproachable light. His knowledge and wisdom is infinite. And God the Holy Ghost lives within us. Therefore, we ought to have no excuse why we cannot give everything to Christ. Why not the world will come bow down to us? Not in worship, but they plead at our garments, if you will, saying we need to know this Christ whom you serve. We need to know this Christ whom you serve. But number three is ministry and gifts. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. If you turn with me, Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> the reason why this might take some more time, because I'm reading, I'm having us go to these scriptures, but I want us to be good Bereans here. Because I, I can offer a loud bang by the anointing, but if I don't confer knowledge, it will miss the target. See, there's two ways that the devil has his way in your life. is a lack of power and a lack of knowledge. Amen. Because what good is it if I know the good that I know I ought to do, but I don't have the ability to execute it? But on the contrary, what good does it do for the church, if I have the ability, but I don't know what I should be doing. So the word of God instructs us to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but there is an end. See, we all enter into the sheepfold. We all entered into the gate of Christianity by our fear of the Lord. But it shouldn't stop there. Because there are people today that fear the Lord, but they don't have enough wisdom to navigate through life because wisdom hasn't had its perfect work. You know, I love listening to Jordan Peterson. I'm in awe of his wisdom. And I'm like, man... The guy speaks far better than many of these Carl Lances and Hillsong guys. And it's like he, 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 he isn't, you know, um, let's just say he's had a long journey. And, and we're to have grace for his, his process and uh, his progress to, if he's not entirely into the kingdom, I would say he's darn near it. But, Let's suppose he isn't in the kingdom, but he's very near. He certainly speaks with a whole lot more boldness and wisdom than I hear people who claim be, to be in the kingdom don't speak with. And I can always respect that. It's like, man. It's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, um, I remember one time my cousin was talking about how he was in the world and he hadn't given his life to the Lord just yet. And um, <clears throat> and uh, he was going to, I think, buy some like weed or something. And uh, he had come across this crackhead. And uh, 
and he was he was literally cracked out. And then this crackhead stopped because I think the, the my my cousin was asking him where he could get like some weed or something like that. And then the crackhead turned to him and literally started speaking about Jesus and like rebuked him. And by this time, like God was calling him, but he didn't know who this crackhead was. And like the 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 crackhead started like telling him a bunch of stuff. And he's like, whoa, like, this is like reading my mail. This is crazy. And then he went off and went to go, you know, do drugs, right? But the point, though, was this, is that God can always come upon a donkey and, and speak to you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> and my point, though, is there's a lot of people that, are not even saved <laughs> that are whipping the church <laughs> I remember just recently I had one of my uh well <laughs> this one guy he uh he, he's not he's not a Christian but I posted something on my Facebook and then like he always I don't like cause sometimes I say some hard things and he will like it here and there. And he will comment. I'm like, bro, like, why am I getting more support from you than the church? He's all, because they're all suckers. <laughs> he says something like that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> nah, but there's a remnant. There's a remnant that are really serious about the Lord, you know, and, um, but it's it's just it's just interesting how sometimes that even the world has the world has to recognize what's true and they will even respect people that are living this out for real and that's the sort of life that we're supposed to be living that you even command the respect of people in the world they might not even come into your faith into the faith but they they cannot be untrue to themselves to say that you're you're inauthentic or you're insincere or you know um but Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8 um but the reason why I'm I'm showing you these scriptures is because I want us to be grounded in knowledge so that we know that this isn't man's teaching this isn't um an ideology that I've I've formed this these are the scriptures. This is God's word. Um, this is his holy word. So Romans chapter 12 verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, <clears throat> I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So... Number one was relationships. Number two, careers and jobs. And number three 
is our giftings and our callings to Christ. And we see here that he has assigned to each and every one of us gifts. It, it, it made it very clear. It says, to every one of you. It says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you. That's there in the third verse. So no one is with uh, no one's excluded here. No one can say, I don't have a gift. You don't have the option of saying that. You do have a gift. You may not have discovered it just yet, but you do have a gift. If not, you have gifts with a plural. And the Bible tells us that it's in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of us. So there is a measure of that gift that God has assigned to you, and you can grow in that measure. For example, when I when the Lord first started using me to prophesy, I would get very vague words and you know vague impressions. But as I continued to fan and to flame that gift and cultivate it, um, the the precision, the frequency, the precision, and the details became more, more abundant. So in other words, they begin to happen more. There were more details and the accuracy was greater. But it, be, it came through constant practice, constant cultivation, constant exercising. See, wherever you don't give out waters, fresh waters won't come. People want to hoard all this stuff and so what happens as a consequence, the water becomes stale and stagnant. There is no motion. There is no mobility. There is no advancement. There are no rushing waters. You need to keep pushing out for new waters to come. Amen. Now notice this Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Some, I think 46, if I'm not mistaken, says uh, um, the that there are waters that make glad the cities of God. There are streams that make glad the city of God. See, there are streams and there are waters that gush forth. They aren't pools of water. They're streams. They're rivers. And rivers are active and they have motion. So my question to each and every one of us today is where is there motion in all these different facets in your life? If your gift is to speak, are you speaking? If your gift is to serve, are you serving? If your gift is to give, are you giving? If your gift is to encourage, are you encouraging? Is there motion and activity to that gift? Or are you like that servant in Matthew chapter 25 that says, Oh Lord, you are that hard taskmaster. I'm just going to go ahead and bury this over here because... I don't really want to use it for whatever reason. I don't want to cultivate these relationships. I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to hide it. I don't want to give attention. Yeah, I know you called me to be a teacher, whether in the ministry or whether teaching English or teaching math or teaching. But you know what? I don't really want to go to school. So I'm just going to put that on the back burner. And I'm not trying to guilt anybody here. 
I'm not trying to beat you over the head. But my point though is this, brothers and sisters, are you exercising that gift? Because I will tell you this, some of the greatest fulfillment is found in service to others. Those who live the least fulfilled lives are those who only think about themselves. Always me. Me, 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 me. <clears throat> you know, the just yesterday, I, 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 I made a right turn, and there was this lady. She was speeding, man. Like, I miscalculated it. If she was going at the proper speed, and I made that right, we would have been all good. But she kept speeding. Like, uh, fast. And then we pull up to a red light, and I put down my window. I said, I said, you're, I was like, what the heck? I was like, you're going way too fast. And then she starts, like, you know, bumping her gums and starts, like, trash talking, this, this, and that. And, and the point that I bring that up is because people are so selfish, they don't know how to own up to what they've done wrong. Like there, there's speed limits for a reason. There's boundaries for a reason. You don't do things for a reason. And so are we willing to own up to our selfishness? <clears throat> we are stewards over this. We are stewards over these relationships, these gifts. Um, number four is this, and then I, I, and then after this one, we'll go into some principles really quickly on on how we might excel in these these gifts and uh, the things that God has entrusted to us. Is citizenship. Romans chapter thirteen verses uh, one. And we'll just read on. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have est- has been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong... But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoers. Um, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. See, this is a facet that many of us overlook. We should not be in debt. I remember when I was a a young believer... I had got injured at work twice and I didn't qualify for uh, a medical insurance, like free medical insurance because I made too much money. 
And so I was working at a night shift and I had to go to the ER and the ER is a whole lot more pricey. And so I ended up becoming thousands of dollars in debt because I got injured twice and they I, I split open my hand and you could see my bone and everything. It was ugly. It was horrible. Um, but I, I, I went in debt and I, and, and me being ignorant, I just continued to push it off until the Lord began to convict me and say, you need to be a good citizen and you have to pay that which you owe. You're in collections now. I don't know what you call it in different countries, but, um, it's called collections here. And, and in other words, you owe and you got to pay and you got to pay taxes. Pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. See, Jesus didn't allow either of them to have it their way. He didn't say just pay to Caesar what belongs to him. Neither did he say, oh, none of it matters. Just give everything to God. Because God knows that there is a way in giving to God that you must give to men. Do you see that? And it's those who try to minimize the instruments of mankind and act as if they're paying homage to God are those who are actually dishonoring the Lord. Because what happens as a consequence is the church now has reproach by the world because we don't do the simple things that honors the world. And yes, you must honor the world. If they're a king, you honor them. If it's an officer, you honor them. If it's a teacher, you honor them. We, we, we have grown so rebellious here in the West. We don't honor people. But we are to be good citizens. This is an area of our calling. So I'm a citizen of the United States of America. I'm not a citizen anywhere else. So I don't have to pay taxes anywhere else. You are all citizens. Some of you are citizens of Germany. Citizens of Hungary. Uh, citizens of Croatia. Citizens, you know, of, of different states. You know, so we have... Um, an obligation to pay revenue if revenue, respect if respect, honor if honor, right? <clears throat> Amen. 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 Now let me just go into these these principles here and and we'll we'll come to a close. But let me just go over this real real quickly again. Relationships. Our careers or jobs. Our ministries and our citizenship. These are four different categories that the Lord has called us to. And those relationships may vary. There are certain commands that I am awakened to and now obligated to as a father and a husband that may not be applicable to you because you are not yet married. And let me say this real quickly. If you're not married, you, 
it's it's funny what sometimes believers do is even though they're not married but they're like boyfriend or girlfriend they want to act like they're married it's like uh no you don't you don't you don't get to do that and i'm not just talking about sex i'm talking about sometimes people go a bit overboard and they really want to kind of act more romantic than what is um permissible for them to act like when they're not married they're turning on the stove when they have no intention on cooking you know what i'm saying like like i, I like if if i go to a restaurant and they just turn on the stove and start looking around like ooh, i like this fire it's like bro are you gonna cook or something what, what i mean what are you doing They want to give foot rubs and all that stuff, and you know they're 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 kindling the fire, and they're not married. It's like you kindle the fire in order. And I just let me just be real here, and I, I'm not intending to be crude or anything like that. But people turn on the fire to have sex, right? <laughs> I don't know why you would be doing that if that wasn't your intention. Foreplay, massages, speaking in certain ways, that's all for married people. I, I had it I had to put it to me this way uh some time back. Some I remember hearing like a sermon, and one of the pastors said this. He said if you're not married, why are you kissing? He says, because that's not your wife. That's not your husband. He said, uh, you're kissing your brother or your sister. Nasty. Why are you doing that? Why are you kissing your brother or sister? Paul says, treat the younger women with all purity. Treat the younger sisters with all purity. Purity. Right? So in other words, that's your sister. Treat her like one. That's your brother. You treat them like one. They're not yours until you say, I do. Amen. Once you put a ring on your finger, I mean, go ahead, go have fun, go get your honeymoon, you know, and then whatever buy some candles get some rose petals put it on the bed or <laughs> come on man don't don't get all religious on me there's a book song of songs right it talks about breast being towers and stuff like that i'm not look i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be carnal here see the thing is the world has convinced you that sex is so perverted when it's sacred it's not perverted. It's sacred. If it's kept in a marriage bed, it is something honorable to the Lord. But what does the world tell you? It keeps painting these ugly pictures of what it's not. And so what does the church... What's the church's response? It's icky. It's yuck. Oh, no, no. Get, get away from that. No. We need to speak properly and appropriately about this. 
Why do you think the, the, the younger believers in the church have no one to turn to? Because we keep telling them it's bad. We don't say that same thing about food. Right? Food is good. But properly, right? In moderation, the proper things. You know, so remember, false doctrine goes both ways. To license the sin, to legalism. And the Bible, Paul says this, there are doctrines of demons that will forbid marriage. And abstinence from certain foods. He doesn't even say, hey, that's really good that you want to live a strict lifestyle. He says, doctrines of demons. Amen. For everything created by God is good and is acceptable and is for our enjoyment. You know God wants you to enjoy life? People have this wrong view of like God, he's this cosmic killjoy that's just out to zap everything and is like trying to make your life as, as ooh, so hard as possible. That's not his care. See, let me just say this last thing and we'll go on. The whole the whole end goal is peace. The whole end goal for society is peace. Amen. The whole end goal, my brothers and sisters, is the restoration of the garden. Amen. So please tell me why God is interested in poverty? Why is God interested in making your life hell? He's not. See, we attribute to God that which is attributable to the devil. Don't forget that you have an adversary that hates your guts, that wants your life to be torment here. So, number one, is how you to how you excel in your gifts is that you must have definition. You must have definition to what God has assigned you to. Because if you don't have any defining framework for that which you have been called to, you won't know where to begin. What what am I supposed to do? If God has called you as a father, or if God has called you as a wife, God has called you as a as a mother, God has called you as an employee, but you don't know the manual necessary to educate you on what you are supposed to do to define your duties, then you won't be able to advance. That's why when you get hired on at like McDonald's or whatever, Burger King, they give you a manual. This is expected of you. These are your duties. This is your objectives. This is your expected blah, blah, blah. Do you understand? And then you you sign your signature. Yes, I understand. It would be ridiculous to expect that employee on the following day to kick back, kick his legs back and begin to watch TV and just chill. Because that is not his assigned duties. 
So let me ask you this. If you were to be called on in a moment's notice and asked, what is it that you're supposed to be doing? Can you give an articulate answer in response to that question? Because there may be some things that you're supposed to be fulfilling that you are not aware of. See, for example, pastors today think that all they're supposed to be doing is preaching and they give utter negligence to intercessory prayer. The Bible says I have that we should not leave the ministry of the word and prayer. And they don't pray for their people. They never they never lift up their names because they think it's a meaningless a meaningless business. It's of no effect. There's no fruit. Definition. Do you have defining, do you have definition to what you have been called, my brothers and sisters? I want you to get this. Look, you might, you might push this off and say it's irrelevant, but let me tell you this. If there's no application to this, you will be a fruitless Christian. You will be fruitless. We need to excel. No, this is not uh, carnal self-promotion. As we pro- promote His name, He exalts us. <clears throat> Number two is skill. Turn to uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24. You know, <laughs> let me tell you a story about uh, when... Um, when I was just getting my driver's, well, I was getting my permit, my driver's permit when I was uh, 17 years old, uh, I, I, gave, I gave my life to the Lord, as you know, at that age. And I was, I, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just laughable. So at, here in California, you have to read this, this booklet, okay? There's laws and there's things that they educate you on. There's street signs and you have to know these things, okay? And so what I decided to do, I literally skimmed through it. And you can't skim through it. You have to like literally read it, right? Um, because it's 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 somewhat thick. I mean, it's I don't know how long it would take, but I'm just assuming it might take three hours to just read through it. And maybe longer. You'd have to study a week for you to actually get it gain understanding of these laws. I skimmed, <laughs> I skimmed through it. I prayed about it. I, I was skimming through it while I was there to take the test. And I prayed about it thinking that God would come to my aid. <laughs> but he told me that the Holy Spirit would bring back to remembrance. But the thing is, he didn't tell me that he would give me he would deposit all that knowledge in me without, with, with bypassing that booklet. He says he would bring back to remembrance the things that we first stored there. So I can, it was a surprise to me that I failed. <laughs> Why was it a surprise? Hello? He says, you fill the pots with water and I'll turn it into wine. Amen. See, we want him to fill the pots and him to turn it into wine. He says, do what you can do and I'll do what you can't do. 
So I was lacking in skill and I was because I was lacking in understanding. But Proverbs chapter 22 verse 24 <clears throat> Again Proverbs chapter 22 verse 24 You know a lot of people they love reading the book of Revelation because it's very apocalyptic in nature and foretelling and end times and stuff like that. But I think they need a good daily dose of Proverbs in the here and the now. Amen. Just practical daily living. And remember in 1 Kings chapter 6, the Lord told Solomon that there would be none wiser after him. And Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs. And you know, when I was studying philosophy, I was reading the book of Proverbs. I'm like, man, this isn't very, you know, the natural mind kicked in. This doesn't sound very, like, sophisticated. But I, I realized, and, and I rebuked myself, of course, at that moment. I was like, no, that's stupid. That's, that's the natural mind kicking in. Because it doesn't sound like Plato or, you know, Plutarch or... Uralis and guys like that. It's very to the point. But the Bible says that God, He takes the wise in their own craftiness. And so you'll gain a lot of light through these Proverbs. But Proverbs chapter 22, verse 24, this is what the word of the Lord reads. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Um... Wait, hold on. That's not it. It might have been 24 verse 22. Hold on. I'm sorry. Hmm. Well, I have another verse here. Uh, Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. I'm sorry about that. Hmm. Were you thinking about Proverbs 14? The one about the many ways seem right to a man, but no death. No, um, hold on real quick. Just give me one brief moment. I'm, I apologize. <clears throat> no, it's Proverbs 22, verse 29. Yeah, there we go. Proverbs 22, verse 29. It says this, do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Do you see that? Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. It did not say, do you see someone that is anointed? Do you see someone that is called? Because here's the thing. God can call you. 
but you don't discipline yourself to acquire the necessary skills that is requisite for those skills to sustain that calling. Because it doesn't matter if you're called, it doesn't matter if you're anointed, it doesn't matter if you have been gifted by God, if you don't appropriate the grace in order for you to develop the necessary skills in order to secure that position. See, this is why rushing through school and just cheating doesn't work. Because while that degree or that certificate may indicate to people that you are qualified for the job, it may get you into the door, but it can't keep you there. Because it's only your skills that will be able to keep you where your degree has got you into a door. We ought not to shove unto God all that he has given us ability to do. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we may ask or think, according to his power, we stop there, bah, 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 that is at work in us. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, if I'm not mistaken, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So the reason why you need definition is because so that you have a boundary line that you will, you need boundaries to define what you have been assigned to so that you don't try to operate in someone else's grace. Because the grace of God will only keep you where the grace of God has called you. I said this last time. I've been to church services where people tried to sing and they sounded like a howling dog. The Bible told me to endure sound doctrine, not endure worship. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, man, dude, like I'm about to leave. (laughs) Like, man, like I'm thinking of the pastor, like, bro, show some respect. Like for the ears of your people and, and visitors. I'm like, man, you know, when you have visitors come over to your house, you try to prep it up a little bit so it can look presentable. It isn't until you become familiar with the house, you start kicking back and allow things to slide. But it's like, man, even to the visitors, are we oblivious? It's like he's breaking the decibel scale. We got a noise complaint and cops called and everything. <laughs> yeah, but nevertheless, <clears throat> you need definition. You need to define what it is that you've been called and begin to cultivate that. See, the thing is, people try to do everything. And if you try to serve everybody, you end up serving nobody. Because you're spread out so thin that you have that there is no time to master anything. I, I remember some time back, like there was this brother that, <laughs> that I knew. He tried to like become a Christian rapper. And like he literally was off beat even in the songs that he recorded. I'm like, man, like I'm sorry, like no one could, no one had the heart to break it to him. 
but it was a bit sad because he kept trying it. And he, he, he literally didn't know how to get the bars within the beat. May, may, may the Lord give you self-awareness. Self-awareness so you realize what, what you're called to. and Yeah, exactly. Jack of all trades, master of none. Doer of all, master of none. Master your craft. Master your calling. Don't compare yourself to other people and what they're doing. They might be a good... You know, there was a time when I wanted to be a singer. I realized real soon that I ain't called... <laughs> like, I'm going to give up on this. I'll let someone else handle this. And here's the thing. Let me say one other thing. Let me give you a little bit of wisdom. There are some things that are a subset to your ultimate and primary calling that don't require your full attention. Let me give you an example. I know how to play the keyboard. I do. But um, I don't know if Sister Andrea is listening um, with uh, Noemi and them, but she is really good. She is exceptionally good at the keyboard. And if if there was someone available to, if, if someone needed to play, I would easily hand it over to her. Because my gifting is only a subset that complements my primary calling, and that is to be a preacher of the word. And so wherever necessary, I can delegate that position to someone else because I know that there would be someone that will be a, that would complement that position far greater than myself. And so some of you have some subset skills that you're get you're majoring on, but that's a minor. You you ought not to minor on a major nor major on the minors. Is that understood? Because if you if you call if you focus <clears throat> if you focus on your primary calling and cultivate that skill, it won't be long before you start standing before kings. What did the text say? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. And you see in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17 that he was wise and he was skilled. He was knowledgeable. And it was not long before he gained the attention of King Nebuchadnezzar. Look at Joseph. He served faithfully and he was exalted to a position that was noble. The Bible says in 1 Samuel that he lifts the beggar from the dunghill and makes them a prince unto God. See, it says in 1 Corinthians, not many of you, my brothers and sisters, were noble nor wise according to the world's standards. Not many of you were, but now you are. Not So many of you weren't. Some of you were deadbeat. You didn't know a thing. You didn't know how to read. But Jesus Christ comes and, and brings glory to your life and enables you to do that which you were incapable of doing before. See, the thing is people don't realize that when the anointing is upon you that you're able to perform that which you are incapable of doing in your own strength. Yeah. And God does that deliberately so that glory redounds to Him. 
See, people ask Sam, the people ask themselves in the book of Judges, from whence cometh this man's strength? When they're asking of Samson, people normally have these portrayals of this big buff dude. But see, here's the thing. You don't ask where strength comes from, from a buff man. You ask it when it comes to respect to a scrawny man, to a skinny individual. That's what's surprising to the natural eye, is how is this person so skinny and yet has so much strength? And so God will breathe upon your weakness so that strength would be obvious, that the strength that you possess is obviously coming from Him as the source. Amen. Before I got saved, I, I was illiterate. I didn't know how to read well. I had the easiest translation I could find and still found difficulty reading. I spoke with a lot of slang. I had to get rid of a lot of that stuff. I shed, I shed it like scales. I didn't know even pre-algebra. I, I, I struggled with division. I struggled with like fifth grade math. Fifth grade reading. When the Lord saved me, He gave me an ability to understand. He gave me ability to read. He gave me ability to do all that. To become articulate and expand with the vocabulary I didn't have in previous times. And it wasn't because of me. It's because the grace of God enabled me to become a skilled speaker. Because He told me with these stammering lips, so to speak. He said, Moses, you have to speak. Who creates the lips to speak? Who creates the eyes to see? Who creates the ears to hear? Amen. You may feel I, I don't feel qualified for that. Doesn't matter what you feel. What's the, what's the objective reality? Did God call you to that? Or hasn't He? Because if He has... No excuse is legitimate to the Almighty. Because the God that called you is the God who will strengthen you and equip you for that. <clears throat> so number two is skill. This is how we excel in the kingdom of God. Is number one, give a definition. Number two, acquire skill. Number three is faithfulness and righteousness. And let me read Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. I only have th uh, this and then two more, and then we're done. Proverbs chapter 14. I hope we're even taking notes. If, if uh, you want to go back to this, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34. And the word of the Lord reads, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. So we're talking about expanding we're talking about being ruler over much. We're talking about excelling in the things that God has entrusted us to. No, it no, it's it's Bible. See, a, a, a lot of a lot of us have been taught wrong. We've been taught that we are stay worms our whole life. Why? So the LGBT has it gets exalted. So Islam is exalted? So the unrighteous is, is exalted? No, God wants to bring them low. But if we keep having this low mindset that insists that, no, it's pride if I'm exalted, then you're just not reading your Bible. 
Why does the Bible say that he that humbles himself shall be exalted? But they that exalt himself shall be humbled? We see here that God wants to exalt a righteous nation. Nations are composites of people. So, if you are to excel in your work, you must maintain righteousness and faithfulness. Righteousness and faithfulness. You know, it's so sad the mentality that I find in the church today. They're just easy come, easy go. They're so nonchalant about everything. They drop in and out whenever they please. You know, the thing is, if we treated our jobs the way that we treat God's people, we wouldn't have jobs. For those of us, if we're leading Bible studies, like, ah, whatever. I'm going to just kick back today. I ain't going to tell nobody. In fact, I'm going to use my sick call. I'm going to call in sick today. Hey, I'm not feeling good, guys. Pray for me. See you next week. Or even worse, no response from you at all. It's MIA, right? Faithfulness. It comes from the Greek word piste, and it means to be sure of, trustworthy, reliable. Let me ask you this. Can we trust you? Can God trust you? Because guess what? He already has. No opting out. You're already a steward. Therefore be trustworthy. Because he's going to demand payment from you. And he's going to examine what you have done. No, I, I haven't done a lot of those sick calls. In fact, let me tell you this. In fact, because you... You know, even times... I remember times having two hours of sleep still showing up in church. Every day. I was the first one there, last one gone. Even when I preached, I would stack chairs, vacuum. There was times, let me tell you this, when we were church planning, I was preaching. Uh, there was times I would do that, stack the look. We would go to the brother's house, even in the rain. We would get all the drums, because we were renting another church. We would get the drums, I would get the keyboard. We would get um, uh, the the electronics. We would get all that stuff, stack it on his truck, put a covering, drive it to the church, unload it in 30 minutes, set up all the wires, uh, uh, you know, the speakers, the mics, the keyboards, all that stuff. I get... I was the worship leader as well, so I was telling people, you need to go right here, do this, we're singing this song, and then you get the people who are tired, I don't want to sing that song, I don't want to do that, you know, it's like, man, you know, so we're doing that, and then afterward, I'm doing the announcements, and then going back, and I'm helping children's ministry right off the announcements while everybody's hearing the word ministered, after helping with children's ministry, 
we then uh, I vacuum and then take up all that stuff, put it back in the brother's truck, go to his house and help him unload. And we were doing that church planting, grinding, no complaints. And I'm not saying that to boast about myself, but I'm saying that to serve as an example. I didn't, even times when I, my, my mother died, I was in church the following day. It ain't no excuse. Why? Does it make sense for me not to go to the hospital if I just got injured? Do you understand? Amen. And I say that again, not to come out boastful, but my wife will advocate for me. There are times I come down with a fever and I'm still at work. Working 12-hour shifts. I'm having to take Dayquil or something while I'm working. It's living hell. And so I, I say that because, like Paul says, I don't want you to rob me of my boast, lest anybody try to discredit, you know, because the message matters, and people have a tendency to discredit whatever comes as the message because of the messenger. And so, um, yeah, consistency and faithfulness. Now, am I saying that that means that we're perfect? No. You know, um, you know, there's times I blew up at work, (laughs) you know, got mad. There's times I, I, I made some wrong moves. One time I almost got in a fight with a guy that kept spraying me. You know, I was, uh, I, yeah, he kept, I'm saying this just to be transparent, you know. Um, I was working at the slaughterhouse and there was hot, it was like a hundred and something degrees Fahrenheit, 150 degrees Fahrenheit. And he kept spraying me. And he wasn't careful. I went up to him a number of times. Hey man, like, uh, you're kind of spraying me. Do you mind like being more careful? And, uh, well, he kept doing it. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, but I'm up in the flesh right now. And I got my hose and I went, I held at his face, sprayed him for like a good five seconds. And I was instantly convicted and pricked to the heart. I was like, what am I doing? He got mad. He pulled out a knife on me and everything. I was like, oh no, heck no. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. Give me out of the situation. I messed up. <laughs> I didn't pray enough before I went to work. <laughs> I say I say that side of my humanity, brothers and sisters, so that, you know, it's leveled out. Because I know like you know, hearing stuff like like all this consistency can lead us discouraged, like, man, like I don't you know, where am I at? You know. But we all have areas of weakness that we're all growing in. Okay? So, you know, I I can't say that I've arrived, but my point, though, is this, is that we are to be faithful, that we should be counted on. Things will come up. But your life should be so faithful that if something does come up, no one questions you. You understand that? Like, like if, 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 like, for example, if, if, um, you worked faithfully and you called out sick 
They're not questioning you like, are you really sick? Because you haven't played that card so many times. You've been faithful for so often. It's like, yeah, we believe him. He, This is not like him. Amen? So righteousness exalts a nation. And when you're righteous in your respected assignments, it exalts you. It exalts you. Because while other people may be skilled, they might have a PhD and you only have a bachelor's, but your righteousness there and your faithfulness will captivate the attention of those who originally thought you were unqualified. Because while skills may get you there, it's only righteousness that will keep you. You need skills and righteousness, right? Okay, we're moving forward. Uh, Number four is prayer. In Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, Paul talks about praying for an open door. See, just because God has entrusted you with something doesn't mean that you stop praying. See, Paul could have easily said, I'm anointed as a preacher. I I can just go over here and I'm going to minister. I know the word of God. I was studied under Gamaliel. I know my, 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 uh, my Roman, uh, uh, what, what, I don't, what was it? Roman language? Latin. I'm sorry. Latin. I know my Aramaic. I know my Greek. I know the scriptures. I can easily go there as a preacher. No, but that did not stop him. He said, pray for me that an open door may be given for me to provide an utterance. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So even though God has assigned you, God has called you, it is not an excuse to neglect you from prayer. You keep coming to Him. Because the Bible says, Have you now become perfected by the flesh, you who have begun by the Spirit? Let us begin by the Spirit and end by the Spirit. And let me, let me, let me, uh, I'm going to move on that one quickly because I speak about prayer a lot. I think you guys already well understand uh, many principles of prayer. And I want to sit on this last one in its honor. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 18. And this is the last one. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 18. The way that you excel in your giftings and your callings will be honor. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 18. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit. I'm sorry, this is another. Uh, hold on. Another one that I got wrong. My apologies. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it is it. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever protects their master will be honored. Um,. And then 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 17 says this. 
Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. <coughs> I want to give a quick definition to... Uh, let me read that Proverbs one more time and then I'll give a definition. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit and whoever protects their master will be honored. Okay. So, when you do honorable things, you get honor. You receive honor. And honor is bestowed upon people by an authority greater than themselves. I, I have here written, honor is the discerning, the celebrating, and the rewarding of men for their distinctive difference. Let me say that again. The dis honor is the discerning, the celebrating, and the rewarding of men for their distinctive difference. In other words, you're recognizing a particular individual, whether it's an officer, or whether it's your employer, or whether it's your teacher, whether it's your um, a CEO, whether, you know, and so on, whether it's your wife, whether it's your husband, you show honor in a way that it communicates to them that they are different from everybody else. And there is a uniqueness and a distinction about that such that it commands your celebration of that. Your discerning of it. You recognize it. This is why it's important that you address people as officer. I will refuse to allow myself to say, Hi, uh, Jane. Hi, Cody. Ha <laughs> ha, hey. What's up, man? No, that's an officer. You speak to them and you say, Officer so-and-so. Because you are recognizing, you're discerning that their position is distinctive from everybody else's. That they're not just an average individual because they're not, they're not a citizen. When they're on patrol, they, <coughs> they are representing, they're representing an authority higher than you. That's why if a teacher says, call me Mrs. So-and-so, you don't rebel and insist otherwise. That's why even when I went to college, and there, you know, I'm an adult, and I could have easily said, oh, you know, so-and-so. I said, Professor So-and-so. Or if they're, if they're a PhD, Dr. So-and-so. Because you know why? You can call it what you want. It's not man worship. When you begin to honor they are going to take a liking to you and you're going to be available. They're you have an access to a door that someone who is dishonorable will not have. You want to know what will set you apart versus everybody else who is equally qualified than you is that you honor people. If you dishonor, dishonor will be the lot of your life. Do you understand that? If you dishonor others, dishonor will befall you. Amen, you guys with me? <clears throat> Again, 
Honor is the discerning and the celebrating rewarding of men for their distinctive difference. You don't treat your parents the way you treat everybody. You don't treat your teachers the way you treat everybody. Obviously, you treat everybody with respect, no doubt. That is certainly the case. Respect is given to all men. But honor is reserved for a few. Why do we honor officers? Because they're putting their life on the line for my safety. Are you willing to? No, I'm not willing to do that. Exactly why I honor them. You speak to them politely, respectfully. They're worthy of honor. Are you? If you're a deadbeat, no good for nothing person, I'm not going to honor you. You get what you earn. There's nothing honorable about your life. I have here another quote. Gratitude is a clear indication of honor. Gratitude is a clear indication of honor. See, the people who honor you are going to... Look, they're going to communicate sufficiently the gratitude that they have for your life. I remember when I was working at the high school... And the extents and the lengths that we as the, 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 um, the staff would go to help these kids. And we would be lucky if we get a mere thanks. See, thanks is a mediocre, cheap expression that is unfitting for those who are worthy of honor. If they go to great lengths and extents, there should be... Um, a sufficient response, a sufficient communication of the worthiness of all that they've contributed to their life in a satisfactory way. Does that make sense? And it's precisely for this that we stay in low positions and we wonder why no matter how much we pray, no matter how much we live right, no matter how much we are faithful, the fact is is that we've allowed a dishonorable disposition to secure for us low positions, no acceleration, no excellence. You know, I've heard it recently that there no man has immunization against honor. In other words, if you are honored, there is something that captures your eye and says this person is an honorable individual. They recognize what's in their presence. As as a parent, and for those of you that are in this group that are parents, you know that the most th- the, the the your your child can make mistakes, but the moment they dishonors you, dishonors you is the moment your blood begins to boil. Oh no, don't you talk to me that way. No, 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 no. You got it twisted. Right? You're not speaking to mama that way. You're not speaking to daddy that way. Amen. Amen. Honor. 
do we do we honor the faculty at the college that we're at if they make office time for you do you say you know what you know dr so-and-so professor so-and-so i just wanted to take the time to tell you that i know your time is valuable and you're very busy and i appreciate all the help that you've offered me because it's it's very worthwhile and i i just want to uh, thank you for that Thank you. I mean that sincerely. That whole thinking that that's their job and they're supposed to do that will cut the legs underneath from underneath you. It will. Because let me just flip the tables real quick and say how have you felt the times that honor was given to you? It made you feel good. And remember, respect and honor is different. We respect all people, but we honor a few. And so it's not its not man worship, it's not but kissing you find that sincerely in your heart to extend to those who are worthy of it amen amen so once again the way that we excel in the things that we have been entrusted to as stewards is we give definition what what are the defined um, responsibilities? Who am I called to? So you might know what you're supposed to do, but you don't know who you are called to. Just because you're an evangelist doesn't mean that you're an evangelist for a particular place. Skill. Are you developing your skills? You called as an accountant, why aren't you studying money and personal finance and stuff like that, whatever's necessary? Number three is faithfulness and righteousness. Faithfulness and righteousness will exalt a nation. Number four is prayer, and number five is honor. So, I hope that we have been given some clear principles on what it is that we might need to work on. Um, because it's unquestionable. You're all stewards. We all are. But this is a matter of whether or not we want to grow. And we want to be given more by God. Because if you're not faithful in the small that you've been given, why is God going to entrust you more? Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're not faithful to what God has already given you, why is He going to entrust you with marriage? Or why is He going to entrust you with um, a vehicle? Why is he going to entrust you with all these different things? Why is he going to entrust you with 
an entrance into you know the college that you want to enter in when you haven't demonstrated faithfulness in the smaller things God wants us to go higher and what's going to limit us is ourselves that's what will limit us and so 